We are now starting to reach the business end of the European soccer season. The Champions League group stage has ended and knockouts are ahead. We will recap the group stage for Spanish sides in the Champions League and take a look ahead as well. But today we will also focus on a reasonably big week for Barcelona. To do all that, I'm now joined by Kevin Williams of Barcelona Football Blog and The Athletic. Kevin, thanks for joining the show. Hey, good evening. Nice to be here. Well, uh, let's let's start by uh, taking it back to this past weekend. Uh, what's set up to be a decent derby game between uh, Barcelona and Espanyol, given the latter's uh, you know pretty great start to the season. They looked like a solid defensive side. They uh, you know they spent time at the at the top of the table. Uh, they were you know pretty consistently buzzing around that top four, but uh, it ended up being uh, pretty much a masterclass from Lionel Messi and Barcelona. Um, even for him, that, that match was something special, no? Well, Lord knows why, but their coach made the boneheaded decision to <clears throat> set up his team where you had this midfield vacuum. And why a coach in his right mind would seed the center of the pitch to a well-rested such as Messi is beyond me but I mean once they did that it was that match was a foregone conclusion um, I thought they would do what most teams do which is you know pack it back play turtle and try to come out uh, for a well-timed counter uh, when we saw how they uh, lined up I was figuring it would be actually more goals, and it frankly would have been uh, more goals had Barcelona uh, had better finishing. Yeah, I know this is uh, kind of like asking you to explain an artist's work, but uh, Lionel Messi now has 19 free kick goals in the last four years. Uh, the stat that's been going around is the fact that Juventus as a club have 18, Bayern have 13, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Milan all have 11. Uh, what is it kind of about his free kick taking? Because obviously he scored a pair against Espanyol that that makes him so lethal because, you know, he doesn't seem to hit the ball particularly hard like some other free kick takers, but, uh, man, are those free kicks deceptive. Um, so for me, there are a few different things that let him fool. As we know, free kick uh, goals are all about fooling goalkeepers, right? And so, first of all, uh, Messi is the the best um, um, striker of the ball in the game. Um, his foot angle, his hip angle, he strikes it so cleanly and so purely. The other thing is he uh, strikes the ball with minimal uh, back lift, so you don't really know. Like it's it's really hard to be able to watch. Messy stride toward the ball, and really, I have any idea where that shot is going. The other thing is he's a remarkable uh, passer of the ball. Most of his uh, golasso free kicks are really passes over distance, um, so they don't, don't need to be struck that hard as much as they need to be accurate, and we'd expect. Uh, nothing more from a man who has over the uh, last couple years developed into far and away the uh, best passer in football. 
And uh, Barcelona as well wrapped up the group stage of Champions League, uh, top of what is what was a very tricky group with uh, PSV Eindhoven, Spurs, and Inter Milan. Uh, they went unbeaten, and I think it's pretty safe to say we've seen kind of the, Barcelona's best soccer this year come out of Champions League games. I mean, some of their wins over uh, Spurs, some of the games against Inter as well. They've played very well in Europe, uh, even some of those games without Lionel Messi as well. Um, you know, what have you made of, of their European campaign so far? So don't forget that at the uh, Gauntlet Trophy, Ryan Messi uh, threw down the gauntlet. Um, uh, Santin was going to uh, uh, try its hardest for that silver. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening is <clears throat> not only is the team more focused, uh, but in Champions League years, seeing teams um, um, roll into matches more like equals. Mm. So the thing that always catches Barcelona out is when a team packs it uh, back and sits with like 9, 10 behind the uh, ball and just sticks the head out to play a counter. Um, With Inter, with uh, Tottenham, with PSV, they pretty much uh, try to uh, play football and I mean you might catch Barcelona on a weird day as uh, Betis did but usually if when you come out and try to uh, play football against Barcelona you're not going to win that match yeah for sure Um, that makes a lot of sense Uh, and you know to to kind of finish up talking about this week um Obviously, uh, a couple of big results and, and a couple of big goals for Usman Dembele. It seems like we talk about him kind of every week on this show, but uh, this this week was almost like a microcosm for his entire season because he had a couple of brilliant goals and then, of course, was two hours late to training on Monday. Um, you know, he's kind of an interesting player for me because he's a very non-Barcelona player. I think that's been well-established at this point in terms of, you know, how he would fit into to the Barcelona sides of recent vintage that have won a lot, but he's been pretty important for them this season in terms of some of those big moments where they've needed a player to, to kind of bail them out. Um, yes, he is. It's funny. When he was bought by the club, <clears throat> many people sort of said, hmm, so how will he fit in? Because at Rennes and at Dortmund, uh, he was pretty much, hi, here's the ball, it was Mane, go do what you do. Mm-hmm. Where at uh, Barcelona, there was this structure, this way of playing that he was going to have need to uh, fit into. Now, I think that some of the issues that we're uh, seeing with him right in terms of uh, being off the pitch might have something to do with the manifestation of his difficulties fitting fitting in. I mean, don't forget that when you're at the Barcelona, right? I mean, you've got to be like, so you're on time when you're uh, one hour there before training. Uh, you're on time when you're there 90 minutes before the match set up. And I think that that discipline that very deeply, deeply ingrained notion of here is how things are done 
when you're a 19, 20 year old kid who has had his own way his entire career, uh, you've had um, uh, both your uh, proteins here to for say, okay, here's the ball, go uh, make your magic. It's really weird for him. He's only now starting to show signs of fitting in. You're uh, seeing his uh, game more reined in. You're seeing him uh, lose the ball less. Um, but you're also seeing him with that mental freedom to seize the match when that moment uh, manifests itself. Um, it's no secret that he seems to play um, uh, best without uh, Messi on the pitch. I think because they tend to want to play in the same areas. And so Valverde will have to solve two problems with uh, Dem uh, Ballet. Uh, that is beyond getting him this uh, nice uh, massive alarm clock. Um, <laughs> um, uh, one of them is where his ideal slot is. And the other thing is right now the way Coutinho is playing, and uh, we can generously say he's mining a uh, bad uh, bit of form right now, um, uh, you can't have uh, Dembele and Coutinho on the, the pitch if you're going to run Arthur um, and or Vidal in the midfield. So it's really going to come down to uh, picking one of the two for Val Verde. And right now there is no question that Dembele has the upper hand in that, that challenge. Well, it is almost uh, January now, as, as you know, this year continues to go by very quickly. Um, obviously... Says- Barcelona made a very big splash last January, bringing in uh, the aforementioned Coutinho, as you said. Um, you know, they've been linked to a number of players this year. Obviously, there's never any shortage of rumors around a big club like Barcelona. Uh, specifically this year, it seems to be uh, Dutch defenders that they're being linked with pretty consistently. Um, but yes. I don't think, you know... I don't think we're going to see them do anything to the extent of the Coutinho move, certainly um, with with kind of the budget and that sort of things. But what kind of move would would make sense for you in terms of what this team might need for uh, a reinforcement as they head towards the second half where basically everything is still very much on the table for them? Um, so this team is fascinating because it is a it's a very powerful side on paper. Uh, it does have weaknesses. Um, but I think that right now the biggest problem for the uh, club is injuries, right? You've got Sam Umtiti off uh, getting his knee tended to in, um, um, I now forget uh, where he is, Doha, I want to say that. And, but you've got uh, Longley who showed that uh, he could very effectively sparkle at right-sided center back. That solves a lot of problems as long as uh, Vermaelen can stay healthy because you still have a, a pair of experienced uh, defenders who can spell PK when needed. The real big question, which we'll know next week, will be how Omtiti's knee responds to that uh, treatment. If he uh, comes back and responds well, I mean, don't forget that he came back, played one match, and had to leave again. Uh, so if he comes back and responds, well, I don't see the uh, club doing anything in January, nor do I much see them anyway, because, I mean, don't forget that Shumi looked really 
solid at right center back. So you almost have the question of with money, right, is who do you buy and how much might that uh, cost and how might that affect what the team is going to do in the summer? I mean, we know that Ajax is bringing in that uh, Boca Juniors defender um, are right now planned for January. Many are saying, oh, that means that uh, Delict is coming, but not necessarily. I mean, I would just say that right now Ajax is much uh, better at uh, planning ahead than uh, a lot of other uh, teams. I think that uh, January, I just don't see anything happening because one money, I mean, one defender, the quality uh, that Barcelona would need would be expensive because, I mean, you don't see long lays sitting around for 35 million very often yeah for sure that that all makes sense um let's let's move on quickly to to the champions league and and some of the spanish teams involved um first off i guess the the draw goes down monday to decide the the round of 16 the first round of the knockout stages um for you who's kind of the the ideal matchup for barcelona and who might they kind of like to avoid uh, among the teams that they can play well, I think logically they would most want to avoid Liverpool, uh, right? I mean, they have the strength weaknesses that match up against Barcelona um, very effectively. I think beyond that, there's no team that I would really be worried about facing because when you play Barcelona – when you play them in Champions League, you've got the huge problem of uh, what to do with a focused, cohesive uh, unit and how do you play them, right? I mean, no team in Champions League will uh, play as a bottom-tier side in La Liga does. And if you look at that side of things, uh, Roma, no, um, um, Ajax, charming and it'll be one of those those footballing matchups and uh, one of the uh, the twin will get to see a uh, very near field how they're gonna be working with we hope next season but there's not really a team that worries me um, in the same way that it might I mean really I think sort of a broader picture the only team that I might be concerned about in Champions League would be City, Manchester. See the rest of them? They don't bother me. Well, in other Champions League news, Real Madrid, they also finished atop their group, but a, a very different group in terms of uh, the quality. Um, somehow, CSK Moscow, the incredible stat that they managed to beat them twice, keep clean sheets both times, and still finish last in the group, which is pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like everything else for Real this year, it was kind of hardly an inspiring group stage from them. No, they're uh, something of a mess right now. Um, the biggest thing we have seen so far this uh, season is that what Zidane brought more than coaching was psychological strength. Mm-hmm. I think when you have that sort of figure on the bench you don't get the kind of behaviors that you've been seeing this season and you know people talk about 
uh, Dembele uh, being laid every now and again for training. But when you have Isco dogging it in practice and refusing the captain's armband, you have Marcelo, who's not injured, right, strolling off down the uh, tunnel before the match is even done. Mm-hmm. Bale looking like he doesn't want to be there. I mean, that stuff, it all matters. And that team, uh, um, uh, given its age, they need everyone to be a thousand percent focused. I mean, I think they'll get uh, past the round of 16. Um, I can't see them getting much uh, past the uh, quarterfinals, not with the roster they have now, unless some magic elf comes overnight and instills in them the kind of mentality they need to advance in that competition. But hell, they've uh, won the last three, so what do I know? Yeah, they always seem to to you know look like they're they're not going anywhere, and then they just stumble their way to the final. Especially last year, I still can't believe they were able to win that. Especially some of the you know the the legs against Juventus and specifically against Bayern. But uh, another team who's had a, a pretty good recent pass in this competition is Atletico Madrid. Um, they lost out in the top spot in their group on goal difference to uh, kind of. Um, renewed Borussia Dortmund side but uh, I would think still among the sides uh, in terms of the second place finishers who a lot of teams would probably want to avoid in, in the second round just because you know of their European experience of late oh man they all avoid them so at Letty is like sort of a Venus flytrap right it kind of sucks you in you think you can attack them and what you never realizes how many men they always have behind the uh, ball. I mean, that that team, when you look at how they defend, when when you're on the move, it's remarkable. Um, they have at least two men whose job it is to just stop the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's huge in Champions League because right now you've got a, a lot of teams playing off the counter, a lot of goals coming off the counter. You don't see many goals um, from open play. Their big uh, problem is scoring goals. They don't score many goals and you're not going to be able to 1-0 your way to a Champions League title. You you have to uh, be able to, when you are facing the top teams, slap three, four goals on the uh, board to make that, make one of those legs easier. Yeah, for sure, and we we've kind of seen that from them over the years, especially you know in big final games where where other teams are well specifically Real Madrid's able to to outscore yeah. them a little bit. Um, if I was an Athletic fan, I'd almost be disappointed this season a little bit because it seems like the seas have parted in the ways that they kind of did the last time Athletic was able to climb to the top of La Liga, in, in the sense that Barcelona's had a bit of an off year, Real's had a very off year, and no one else has really claimed that mantle, but. You know, it's Athleti hasn't really been able to do that in the league either. They've had a lot of you know tough draws and losses that um, you wouldn't expect from you know a side that that did what they did in the, in the transfer window and were able to keep a lot of their key players as well. Uh, yeah, but they've also had a lot of injuries. I mean, they've uh, talk about walking wounded. I mean, they've got I think one or two healthy uh, defenders. It's nuts um, how they've. And I mean, is some of that a side effect of how hard Simeone works them? It may well 
B because that's a, that that team's core is also getting up in age, and all those guys are breaking down right now. Uh, the other problem for them is that uh, the guys such as Lamar um, have not really gelled in the way that I think we might have expected because they're used to playing a more open system. And as we know, Simeone is never going to play open football. And so those uh, players seem to be struggling. Gelson is the other one, right? They uh, uh, seem to be struggling with how much uh, they can do or not uh, do in that system. I mean, Thomas uh, Party has has been a revelation for them. He's uh, been that uh, midfield catalyst. He's been breaking lines. He's been working on defense. He's really um, come a long way from, as we remember, the fire starter of three or four years ago who would come in uh, late in the match to kind of uh, run at somebody's defense. But, I mean, the major problem for them is they have all this talent uh, with a coach who will always set up to not uh, give up a goal. And that means that you're not going to be able to uh, attack in the same way, so they're not going to be able to score the goals. They would. I think they would win more matches 4-2 to two, um, if they opened it up uh, uh, than they would. 1-0 is a very precarious scoreline because that means that uh, one error and suddenly it's a uh, draw. We've seen that a, a few times this season. Uh, uh, Simeone might never open up, but man, I would love to see that uh, team play open football. Yeah, for sure. They certainly have the the players that could play that, you know, that kind of game um, and some exciting talents. So uh, hopefully maybe we'll get a, a little bit of that. Maybe they'll be chasing a game later in the Champions League and kind of need to open up. But, uh, you know, if we haven't seen it by now with Simeone, <laughs> you wonder if you're <laughs> yes. going to see it. Um, finally, uh, let's just talk very briefly about the Europa League. Um, all the Spanish sides involved were able to get through Betis, Sevilla, and Villarreal. They're now joined by Valencia, who finished third in their Champions League group. Um, Spanish sides have, of course, won six of the past nine Europa Leagues as uh, Spain continues to kind of dominate the European competitions. Um, do any of these sides kind of stand out to you in terms of uh, who might push for the final because you know Sevilla for me is kind of the obvious one but uh, they've also yeah. they've also you know while they've had a great La Liga campaign they've already played six matches just to qualify for the tournament so you think that would catch up to them eventually but uh, I guess it hasn't really yet has it no I mean it's it's funny I think that the uh, big challenge people still have is is getting their minds around the fact that uh, La Liga is far and away the strongest league in football right now. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a team that comes out of there, uh, uh, like a, a Sevilla, who are really uh, playing lovely, lovely football this year, and more importantly, they're solid um, at all phases of the game. Um, they, for me, look like the uh, Europa League favorites as long as they don't have any weird injuries or things that might derail them because obviously 
depth is an issue for them because they don't um, have the same kind of um, uh, war chest that allows them to be able to stockpile two complete starting 11s like uh, the bigger Champions League clubs. Um, Betis, I just don't see going that far. Their problem is that the kind of football they need to play uh, will leave them wide open against a team that can score a couple of goals and they still uh, can't uh, break down an opponent that packs it um, uh, back and teams are less shy about packing it uh, back in Europa League. So, I mean, I just don't see uh, the only Spanish side I see with a shot at uh, winning Europa would um, be Sevilla. Well, uh, that will bring us to the end of our show. Kevin, uh, thank you for hopping on. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Next week on the show, we'll have reaction to both European draws as well as this weekend's La Liga fixtures. Until then, have a great weekend.